Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 6 of Revelation chapter 13. And we're going to be reading verse 3, Revelation 13, verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. In our last study, we were discussing the heads of Satan, how they represent different periods of his rule that God had had granted him due to his conquest over mankind in the Garden of Eden. And where it says one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, that's referring to the deadly blow that Satan suffered at the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross when he was bound for the figurative thousand years, for the duration of the entire New Testament church age, which actually worked out to be 1955 years, from 33 AD until 1988. And now the beast is coming up out of the sea, out of the bottomless pit, which is also um, that same word translated as bottomless pit, is translated as the deep. He's coming up out of that uh, condition that Christ had cast him into, which prevented him from uh, doing damage or snatching away the word of God as God, through his people, was establishing churches and congregations in the nations of the world. And more than that, God was establishing his word as each church was carrying the word of God. And so God was bringing his word to these dark places of the earth. And Satan was powerless to prevent it until his loosing. And Revelation 20 tells us he's loosed. Let's just take a look at that. Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, And again, the thousand years points to the completeness of whatever is in view. And this is the completeness of Satan's binding, which would have been for the entire church age. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So, Now something has changed, dramatically changed. Satan was not able to deceive the nations uh, to some degree uh, concerning the establishment of the churches, the, uh, the going forth of God's word into the world, and God saving those first fruits that he intended to save. Satan could not hinder any of that. But now the season of first fruits was fulfilled. They were brought in. The 144,000 had all been saved. And, and God had a timetable to follow. And now began judgment on the churches. 
Now began the Great Tribulation period. Now began the time of the end. And so Satan is loosed precisely at the point that God desires to judge the churches and congregations of the world because he will be an instrument of judgment in the hand of God. God is the one that loosed him. God's the one that did that. And Satan predictably went immediately against the camp of the saints, came against the church as he's always done, and and he had semi-success throughout history where he could turn a church into the synagogue of Satan, into a place of false worship. He could even perhaps turn a whole denomination. But the church as a corporate entity, the body as a whole, he could never defeat because the Lord Jesus was in the midst of the church and would do battle against him and fight against him, preventing him from overcoming the church complete, the the church as a whole. And that was the case until this point in time, which we can pinpoint, we can know precisely that this was May 21, 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history. That's the point that the church age ended. That's the beginning point of the Great Tribulation. The 2300 evening mornings would commence. The 23-year period of the actual tribulation got underway, and, and now there was a drastic change in the world and in the church unlike anything there has ever been. Now, Satan, who is bound, is loosed, and he is gone forth. And and notice it says, uh, as we keep reading here in verse 3, that one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. They, they now uh, realize something has changed. The world... Of course, always did wickedly. Uh, mankind, unsaved men, have always uh, lusted after sin. They've always desired to do evil all through history. That's been their nature. The heart of man has always been desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And yet, when we look back at the history of the world, we're amazed to see um, morality that that um, whole nations would adhere to. We're, we're amazed to see, for instance, in America just a few decades ago uh, that there were laws against opening businesses on Sunday. And we're amazed to see that uh, there was a genuine respect that was given to the church and given to pastors and those that were men of the cloth and there there was a certainly something that was preventing man from going after his evil desires. And the Bible explains to us what that was in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, beginning in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, 
who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he is God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now here's the important verse, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And that that's a mysterious sounding verse. And as it's talking about the mystery of iniquity, and of course, no one's ever understood this, but by God's grace, due to our superior vantage point of living in the day of judgment, we can know exactly what God is referring to. The mystery of iniquity was that men were desperately wicked, that they had an evil heart, a heart of stone. God describes the nature, the character of men in many places in the Bible. There's nothing good Nothing good that he says about the sinner. Yet, the mystery was, well, uh, how how could society function? How was it that there were towns and cities and and even nations that followed laws? Uh, uh, You know, today, we're losing um, really sight of this. We we have newspapers and, and the nightly news that tells us about all sorts of acts of man's inhumanity to man, uh, just murder and and robbery and uh, and and all sorts of uh, sexual immorality, all kinds of evil, every evil that that um, we wouldn't even dare to think of, we have heard of in the last few years, but this was not always the case when we go back decades even if we go back a hundred years and go back 200 years yes there were acts of murder yes there were these evil things but not to this incredible degree there there was not this just uh, overwhelming wickedness that had taken the earth and men could uh, be shocked by the things that we just commonly hear today and and it doesn't even register with us anymore it, it's just another act of of tremendous evil that uh, we've lost the ability to be shocked at it but men in previous generations not that long ago would have been horrified they they would have been incredulous they they couldn't understand for instance, if we would go back to the time of the Civil War of America or the the Revolutionary War, as they were establishing this country, and then and and bring those men forward to our day, and let them just walk down the street and see the society and see the people and see the things that the people are doing, it, we we can be sure there would be a real genuine shock. How could things have deteriorated? How could they have just fallen away to the degree? Well, the mystery is, why weren't they that wicked? Why weren't they that evil? When we go back past generations, 
They certainly had the heart for it. And the answer is that God's Spirit worked in the world restraining sin. That's the mystery of iniquity. As it says, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, the mystery of iniquity does already work. It was working in the first century. It worked down through history. It didn't mean there couldn't be an individual um, mass murderer. Yes, they've always been there. But in the olden times, in the days when God was restraining sin, the mass murderer would have been few and far between. And that's why he would be so renowned and, and, and be remembered because it, it wasn't typical. But today, we have a mass murderer in every city. And, and sometimes more than one. You see, there is an increase, an incredible increase. And I don't know what the percentages are, but it's probably astronomical. The increase from the wickedness of a Sodom and Gomorrah, yes, you could have an evil city, to a world full of cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, as we have today. And only he, it says in Second Thessalonians 2, 7, who now letteth, that's an old English word that means restrains or holds back, only he who now holds back will let, that's in italics, but it's it's there to help us. And it means only he who now holds back will hold back until he be taken out of the way. And and there is just no other conclusion we can come to but to understand that God the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. Yes, in the church, and that's why the church has lost sight of truth to the degree it has, but also in the world. In the world. The world, I won't say it's not being held back, even though that's the language of the Bible, that the, He, the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. That, that's a, a very direct statement. The Bible doesn't say that He's taken out of the way 99%, just that He is taken out of the way. And yet, of course, we understand that according to the depths of uh, wickedness, we, we've been plumbing those depths, but we haven't reached the very bottom of the depth uh, because there's always more and more evil. Evil seems to be um, unlimited as men wax worse and worse in evil deeds. And, and so there is a certain element that we must say that God is still maintaining a certain semblance of order in the world, in the nation, so that the world can function. But as far as how God operated in centuries past, and when Satan was bound, as he operated in all the nations of the world, and this is why we could look back finally and and think, oh, that that was a, a kinder, gentler time. And and it, it's not because of technology. It's not because of uh, modern advances in the world that these days are so evil in comparison. But the reason is that Satan was bound then 
in, in the second century, in the tenth century, the seventeenth century, the nineteenth century. He was loosed in the twentieth century in the year 1988 until 2011. He was given an incredible ability to rule once again. He was given authority and power over the nations and over the churches. And we see the results of that. This world we live in, our society, and all the things that we hear about are a testimony, really, to the truthfulness, the accuracy, and to the ability of the Bible to pinpoint the time of the end. Because the Bible has indicated we have reached the time of the end. The biblical calendar of history says the judgment began at the house of God in 1988. The Great Tribulation began the time of the end. And we have been living in it now for some 20 plus years. And and so the world is getting worse and worse and worse. And the church is getting worse and worse and worse. And that is very fitting. It is in accord with exactly what we have learned from the Bible. Well, all right, let's go back to Revelation 13, 3. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, the Greek word translated as wondered is Strong's number 2296. And it's an interesting word. It's found in Matthew chapter 8, in Matthew 8, and I'll start reading in verse 25. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And the word marveled is a translation of the same Greek word translated as marveled. You can imagine that there is a storm at sea, and then the Lord Jesus rises, and he rebukes the wind in the sea, and there's a great calm. That would be astonishing. That would be amazing. It's such a difference. How could he do that? And it leaves... The people who saw him, the witnesses to this, marveling. They're wondering at what they saw. In Matthew chapter 9, it says in verse 8, When the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Now, this is referring to the man who had palsy, and Jesus had said to him, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then certain there of the scribes said within him, within themselves, this man blasphemeth because he, he dared to forgive sin. Who can do that but God? And so Jesus asked the question, well, which is easier to, uh, to say, son, your sins be forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk? And of course, the answer to that question is that it's much easier to say, rise up and walk. Because in order for Jesus to say your sins be forgiven, he must first pay for those sins through giving up his life as he did at the point of the world's foundation. And and to heal someone physically, that doesn't take 
um, Christ to die. And, and so it's much easier to say, rise up and walk. So, in other words, Jesus did the hardest thing first by forgiving his sins. And, of course, that didn't go well with the scribes and Pharisees. So Christ did the easier thing in order to prove that he, he could do the other. And, and so he commanded him to stand up, take up his bed, or arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And it says in verse 7, He arose and departed to his house, but when the multitude saw it, they marveled, they glorified God. And and you see, this is a miracle. This is something spectacular, out of the ordinary. It's not typical for a man who has palsy to rise up and walk just because another man says to do so, that is what the people were marveling at. And also in in verse 32 of Matthew 9, as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. You see, it it, it is that which is a miracle does not follow basic laws, laws that govern uh, this world, laws uh, th- that say that if you walk on water, you will sink, laws that say that storms arise, and and just because a man speaks to it, that, that doesn't mean they will still. No, we don't have that power or ability, and laws that say that the sick those with palsy, those that are dumb and cannot speak or are possessed with a devil, that the blind, that the deaf, that the lepers, that the dead, the laws of the world that God has established say that the sick can get better, maybe with medicine, but you can't hope or wish someone better and you certainly can't speak to make someone better or touch someone to heal them. You you can't do these things. And so these are miracles, and they have never been seen, never so seen in Israel. And therefore there was marveling. And, and this is the word that God is using to express the wonderment of the world. As it says, and all the world wondered after the beast. They marveled after the beast. They they had never seen this before. The, the hearts of men have been restrained by God. They've been held back from committing greater evil, from descending into the terrible depths of wickedness that it potentially have always existed. It's always been within them. But there has been great restraint due to the will of God, uh, that that somehow, mysteriously, the mystery of iniquity worked in the world, holding it back. But now, the beast has his deadly wound healed. Satan is loosed. We thought he he had died at the cross. We, we thought that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, had won the victory, that the, that war was settled. And, and the church was going forth and it appeared to be triumphant. 
as it would go from nation to nation, and the word of God was growing and increasing. And and yet now things suddenly have changed. Things are different. And and now the tendency towards evil is uh, being fulfilled. The inward wicked desires of men are surfacing. And men are able to do now more of the things they have always wanted to do and desired to do and lusted after to do. And there doesn't seem to be any holding back. They can even speak evil of God's church. They can speak evil of God, of the tabernacle, of those in heaven. They can speak evil. And there's no harm. Uh, What has changed? Well, uh, Lord willing, when we return and get together for our next study, we'll continue looking at uh, this dramatic shift, this dramatic change in the world, in the church, that has come in these last days of Earth's existence. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.